Amen. Thank you, worship team. I'll tell you, I'm uh, not sure how you live without that truth, right, that uh, we have victory over the grave in Christ. Um, the grave does not have final say. It's a great story, isn't it, church? And I thank you for worshiping for reminding us of that. Do me a favor. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 is where we're going to jump off. I apologize for my voice. I'm hoping that I make it. I was been battling a little bit of a cold. I was doing okay until my son's basketball game yesterday, which I coach. And uh, there was a few moments during the game where my team needed some teaching points and some encouragement. And uh, where the refs needed to be reminded of the rules from time to time. So uh, ever since then, it's been downhill. So um, I should have remembered I had to preach this weekend. But anyway, uh, to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And we're, we're doing a series right now called Not Just Another. And uh, we're going to be going through uh, the next couple weeks through some passages in the New Testament that uh, where the writers of the New Testament remind us of the kind of the one another's of community life. And today we're going to talk about the encouragement that the Apostle Paul gives us as a church to love one another. And uh, we, I want to encourage you, I kind of started last week using the word picture in the New Testament that the church is the bride of Christ. And my hope during this series is to remind us that the church is not just another thing that we put on our calendar, not just another thing that we check the box so that God is happy with us. It's something that I want you to understand that God has an incredibly high view of his church, right? And, uh, and I want to encourage us to adopt that view. Maybe you all remember this when you were in Sunday school. For those of you who grew up that way, we used to do this little rhyme. We used to say, here is the church, here is the steeple, open the door, there's all the people, right? That's horribly incorrect, okay? And so don't ever teach your kids that. Uh, what we really should do is say, here is the building, here is its steeple, open the door, and there's the church, right? just doesn't rhyme, but it, it's better sound doctrine, okay? And so the point is our church is, is us sitting here. It's made up of people. It's not some institution out there. Or, you know, I, I love when people use this term, like the government's going to do it. Like, well, what's the government? You know, it's us, you know. What's the church? It's us. It's not some institution out there, okay? So that's what we hope to do this morning. So if you have your notes, you can follow along. If you're not in a small group, I still want to encourage you to get in one. Uh, let us know, and we'll get you plugged in this week. If you're in a small group, that note sheet's great. Great preparation for your small group this week, okay? I, uh, I don't know how many of you remember this about uh, probably about three or four months ago, I told a story um, in my, about my kids, how they had, uh, in, in one, one day when I went to have a bowl of cereal, I went to my Lucky Charms box, and all the marshmallows uh, were picked out of my Lucky Charms. How many of y'all remember that story? So I, okay, so about half of you. So I told this story about my children, picked all the Lucky Charm marshmallows out of my marsh, Lucky Charms, and it was the worst bowl of cereal I ever had. So in telling that, uh, some of you all, because you're incredibly thoughtful and remembering some of the stories I tell apparently there was some either market or store or something I think it was up in Williamsburg that some of you all shopped at that were selling bags of these lucky charms marshmallows okay and so shortly after telling that story I ended up with about four bags of lucky charms marshmallows I mean who in the world can eat four bags of blue stars and green clovers, you know, and all that stuff? And so, so we had these sitting at our home for a couple weeks on our pantry. And my wife and I are like, what are we going to do with four bags of Lucky Charms marshmallows? And then we discovered something. You know what we discovered? 
Lucky Charms marshmallows taste amazing in any cereal, okay? It started with Cinnamon Toast Crunch, right? And so we sprinkled them in Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and we're like, they're really good. And then it went to Honeycombs, and then it went to Cheerios, then it went to Honey Bunches of Oats, and then it went to Frosted Flakes. Church, I'm telling you, there is no cereal that Lucky Charms Marshmallows don't, doesn't make it better, okay? It just does. And so, and so I've been holding out this one bag. My kids were ready for me to use it for an illustration so they can take it home, tear into it, and put it into whatever cereal they want. I have no idea what that story meant and why I told that. But no, I'm just kidding. You know, as I thought about that, how Lucky Charms marshmallows makes all cereals better, I got to thinking about this idea and this concept that we're going to look at this morning about our, the commandment of the Lord for us to love one another. And in church life and in community life, the concept of uh, overflow of of the love of God overflowing in, out of our hearts to loving each other needs to sprinkle every meeting, every small group, every get together, every conversation we have, there should be an overflow of love in our hearts for one another. And just like Lucky Charms Marshmallows makes every cereal better, love makes everything we do in community life better. It's the overflow of a heart filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse nine, we're gonna start there. The Apostle Paul says this, if you can, I'm afraid I'm going to spit this throat lozenger out on you. So if that happens, just give it back to me. Anyway, um, so Romans 12 verse 9 says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. My, uh, my wife has this verse, actually this next three couple verses on a, on a whiteboard on our on our refrigerator, and Friday night we had one of those nights where just no one in the family seemed to be getting along, and my wife almost to tears like, somebody go read the verse, Romans 12, 9, it's right there, you know, and, and I, I do love this verse because it encourages us not to fake our love for one another, it's not a fake thing, okay, in fact, the word pretend is actually derived from the word hypocrisy or hypocrite, now, there's actually a history to this word that has a little bit of a different connotation than we use it in our culture. In Bible times, you wouldn't go to the movies to see a theater or a drama. You would go uh, to a local a place where there would be dramas put on, and the actors, instead of acting the part, would actually put a mask on. And under that mask, you would say, instead of calling them an actor, you would call them a hypocrite because they were faking or they were acting, if you will. And Paul here is saying to his church, he says, listen, we can't fake this love for one another. There needs to be a genuineness to it. There needs to be a realness. With the, uh, and, and, uh, and, and the genuineness of our love for each other, it actually shows off the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle John writes in 1 John 4, 19, he says, we love each other. Why? Why? Because he what? First loved us. In other words, the love for one another is an overflow of the, the amount of love, the understanding of the gospel and our right standing before God. And if we're having a hard time loving each other, the, the starting point is not to look inside and go, man, why am I not loving? I better, I better be better at loving each other, all right? No, the starting point is to look inside your heart and say, man, do I, am I not grasping how much I have been loved by God the Father, clothed in the righteousness of Christ by grace through faith? And it's an overflow of the understanding of God's love for us. 
In fact, I'm going to make a, a bold proclamation that uh, the, our love for other followers of Christ is a sign of a, of a follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, our love for each other is a sign of how much we really love Jesus Christ. I believe it's a sign of genuine salvation when we love one another. I want you to hear that for a minute. How much we genuinely love one another shows off how much we really, really do love God. The two cannot be separate. You can't love God but not love one another. John goes on to say in 1 John chapter 2, he says, If anyone claims, man, I'm living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by darkness. In other words, if you don't love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a family word. You see that all throughout the New Testament, that there's this kind of this family feel to followers of Jesus. But if we don't love fellow brothers and sisters, then the love of Christ has not permeated your heart, and you're still walking in the darkness. You still haven't understood the gospel. And by the way, this is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about your commitment to a local church. Because there are commands in scripture that you cannot follow unless you commit yourself to a local group of believers. One of the things that I say, and for those of you who may be attending, we are coastal later today, or our membership class. We're going to do our membership class on March the 3rd. If you haven't decided to be a member here, I want to encourage you to do that. One of the lines that I use in, in really both those places, especially membership, I say, becoming a member of a church doesn't make God happier with you. It's not one of the things we do to make sure we're more of a Christian or less of a Christian. That's your relationship with God. Becoming a member of a local church is committing yourself to the people that are committed to Christ. Did you hear that? It's committing yourself to the people, to a group of people that are committed to Christ. And, and I want to encourage you with this. It's, and we say this in Winter Coastal. I'll say it today. I'll say it here publicly in front of the whole congregation. If Coastal's not a place that you can make a commitment to the people, find a church that is. And because it is important that you commit yourself to a group of people because you're never going to show off the love of Christ without a level of commitment. Does that make sense? And, so, and by the way, there's no perfect group of people. We're all broken. We're all a mess. We all say things we wish we didn't, and we've all offended and been offended, right? And so it requires love and commitment to walk through those times. And I want to encourage us, man, it's one of the ways our love for one another shows off the genuineness of our belief in the gospel. The second thing about um, a genuine, not faking our love, is that when we genuinely love each other, it's, it's an evidence to the world, or in other words, it, it shows off Jesus Christ to the world. John chapter 13, verse 35, Jesus said this, he said, <clears throat> he said, for your, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciple. I want you to hear that again. Your love for one another. Well, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, man, if you sing really loud during your worship, if, if hands are lifted up during a singing time, if you 
really study your Bible. I mean, you dig into the Greek, the original language. You really know that stuff. You'll pr- Notice what he says. If you love one another, you will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know, one of the things that I find interesting is, as, follow, as Christians, we kind of, if you, if you run in a church long enough, you kind of realize there's kind of this subculture that Christians live in, right? And, and one of the things that always interests me is like, like when a well-known athlete gets a microphone put in front of their face and they, they declare Jesus, something about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I give all praise to God, you know. They do one of these things, you know. Oh, yes, you know, now, now the world knows, you know. Yes, Jesus is being shown off, right? Or a well-known Christian band, right? They get, they get some MTV award, right? And then they go to the microphone, they declare, you know, I just want to give all glory to God or whatever. And we as Christians go, yes, now the world will know because they're on MTV, or some well-known politician gets on CNN and declares, hey, we're trusting him, trusting Jesus. And, and us Christians will go, yes, now the world will know. Yes, CNN's been declared. And I want to encourage you. I don't know that that has nearly as much effect for the name and fame of Jesus Christ as a small group of people, a local church says, you know what? We're committing. Yes, we're committing to God, but we're also committed to each other. We're going to love one another and we're going to work through our offenses and we're going to show off to the world that we're disciples of Christ because we love each other. Does that make sense? And that requires that we commit ourselves to one another. It requires that, that, we, you know, that we work through some things from time to time. And I believe that part of the reason the world is not being turned upside down for Jesus Christ is because we, as Christians, every time we kind of get sideways with something, we go to the church down the street instead of having a cup of coffee and say, hey, man, let's work through this mess together because I believe that by working through things together, we show off Jesus Christ by our love for one another. And so genuine love for each other shows off Christ. <clears throat> Second thing I want you to see what Paul teaches here out of Romans chapter 12 is that real genuine love has what I call staying power. There's a genuineness to it. There's a longevity to it. Romans 12 verse 10 says, love each other with genuine affection. There's a heartfelt affection for one another. There's a family feel to it, Right? One of the things I do when I <clears throat> when I do premarital counseling is I uh, I do premarital counseling. I always sit the couple down. I say, "Now listen, I want you to know something. You're you're not just marrying each other, right? You're marrying the entire family. You know that strange uncle that you see at a Christmas party? He's now part of your family. Okay, it's just part of it, right? You know her mom drives you nuts." She's now part of your family, okay? It's just part of it. And anybody who's been married a long time, you're laughing because you know, yes, you, you never detach yourself from the rest of the family. Church, there's, there's a genuine affection for our family, right? And there's times when you have a family that you got some weird members of the family, right? The weirdest one's standing on stage this morning, all right? I mean, we got some weird people. And so, but it's our job to genuinely and have a deep and abiding affection for the people that God sends to our church, that we love one another. Some of y'all are offended by that. Like, maybe if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know any weird people. Maybe you're it. Okay, so uh, just, just kidding. All right. Just kidding. 
All right. No, we're, we're to love each other deeply, right? And, and have a genuine affection. There needs to be staying power to our, for our love for one another. The third thing that the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to park here for a few minutes, is the word delight. I love this word. He says to delight in, in loving and honoring one another. Verse 12, 12 verse 10, I mean, it says, and take delight in honoring each other. I really like the word delight, okay? Whenever I think about the word delight, I personally think about dessert, okay? Because um, I love that part of my meal, but... Um, Here's, I went, I went to the dictionary, actually, and I just, I looked up, or this is the thesaurus, and I looked up some synonyms for the word delight. You ready for this? Here's some synonyms. Ready? Enjoyment. Happiness. Pleasure. Gladness. Let me ask you something. Does that sound like most churches you know? All right? Does that describe what maybe most people in the community would say? When, would, those are some of the synonyms that they would add to a local church. Gladness, happiness, enjoyment. I would say no, that's not what most people think of. I remember when I was in Georgia, I was a pastor of a, a youth pastor of a small, long-standing traditional Baptist church. This thing had been in the community for hundreds of years. And in that particular kind of subculture in this small town in Georgia, church attendance was kind of something that just kind of everyone in the community did, right? And, and so we'd have our corporate worship service like this, and, and that service would end. And, I mean, these people left like someone had yelled, fire. I mean, you know, they were just gone, you know. And I was convinced that everybody kind of went to church because it was what you did. But, but man, there was, we struggled as a pastoral team. Like, how do we foster a genuine delight in one another? How do we figure out how to get people to enjoy one another? And, and for me, it felt like we just checked the box and off we went, right? One of the things I love about Coastal, man, I, I see this week in and week out there, I do sense a genuineness here. It's always been fascinating to me how, like, I, there's some, most times I can't get you people to go home, man. I mean, there's some weeks, especially like on the Saturday night service when I know I got to be back here, I'm flipping the lights off on people I'm like, go home, you know, I don't know why you're still here talking. But I love that about Coastal. I, I sense a genuineness and a, and a deep abiding affection for one another. And I've always loved that and I've always appreciated that. And I, I do believe there's a genuine delight and enjoyment and a gladness and a happiness and a, a pleasure to be around one another. And by the way, this kind of relationship, this kind of genuineness, it, it takes time, right? It takes face time. And I'm not talking about the app, okay? But, you know, only the Apple people got that. So anyway, <laughs> you know, it requires some coffee. It requires small groups. And one of the things I told you last week is the direct application of this series is not going to be applied in sitting in rows facing forward. Okay. Now we call this corporate worship and we find this is a very key part of what God does in our community. But so is small groups. And you have to be in a circle. You have to be shoulder to shoulder with people in order to, to get to know one another and have a genuineness and, de and to deeply uh, and delight in one another. It doesn't happen like this, okay? And so I want to encourage you. That's why I told you I'm going to be hitting on this throughout this sermon series. You got to be in a small group. You got to build relationships with others. 
The second thing about delighting is Paul says to take delight in honoring one another. Take delight in honoring one another. And so a couple things about honoring is, is the idea of to appreciate. If you're going to honor each other, you've got to appreciate one another, right? In fact, one of the, my favorite, and last week we looked at, uh, I said in the New Testament, there's a couple word pictures that describe the church. And last week we looked at the idea of the church being the bride of Christ. And, and another word picture in the New Testament described the church is the body of Christ. And, and, um, and so I'm gonna, we're going to look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And um, as I was piecing this sermon together, I kept wanting to cut these verses down, okay? I'd read a couple of verses, and I'd think, oh, that's great. That'll really illustrate this point. And then I'd read, I was like, I'll read the next verse. Oh, that'd be great. I can't cut that verse out. And so as I kept reading this passage, I realized, I don't think I can cut any of it out, okay? So we're gonna look at a long passage of scripture, and I run the risk of you checking out, okay? Because I'm reading. So everybody look at me for a minute. All right, you gotta promise me for the next minute or two, you're not gonna check out, okay? Nobody check out, right? So this is important for us to understand as a church, ready? The human body, Paul says. So he's illustrating the church with the human body. He says the human body <clears throat> has many parts, but, but, but make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. And so he says some of us are Jews and Gentiles, some slaves, some free. So he's talking about cultural differences, racial differences. He's saying, man, we all come together, different backgrounds, but we're one body. Some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So in other words, when you become a, become a follower of Jesus Christ, and I've been trying to teach you this over time, you, you get a deposit of the third person of the Trinity. You get the Holy Spirit in your heart and life. God is now, you know, in a, in a very real sense, he's with you. He's in you all the time by the power of his spirit. We taught on this, uh, especially out of Ephesians, where the, the New Testament teaches that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. That's why we just sang that song, right? That spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if you're a follower of Jesus, lives inside of you. So he's saying, in the body, we all have the spirit of God, okay, in Christ. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. Now, some of you in this church, you know what that's like as you get older, right? Your foot begins to say, I don't want to be a part of this body anymore, right? Your knee is going, I'm out, I'm done, right? And so you know what that feels like. It's important, right? Verse 16, and if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would, <clears throat> how would we smell anything? Verse 18, but our body has many parts and God has put each part together just as what? He wants it, right? See, it's, I see this happen a lot in church life. Like, you know, God has assigned you a role. He's given you a part to play. And there's times where we can kick against that. I don't want this part in the body, right? Some of you may be sitting here this morning. You're like, I wish I was this. I can tell you something, there's times as pastor, I go, God, I'd rather have a different role. And God has to remind me, this is the part I've given you. You play your part for the glory of Christ. It's not up to you. And each of you have a part to play in the body of Christ. Okay, I've lost my place. Where was I? Verse 19, is that right? 
Okay, verse 19. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually what? The most necessary. I remember years ago when I was younger, I, I broke my pinky toe, all right? Never in my whole life had I ever thought much about my pinky toe until it was broken. Suddenly it became a central point of my entire body, right? I went to the doctor. You know what the doctor told me? I can't do anything about it. He just put a shoe on it. And so for weeks I walked around with this, this, this sore pinky toe. And the, the fact that my pinky toe was injured, it literally changed many of the things I could and couldn't do. I couldn't do some sports. I walked more difficultly. Um, with difficulty I walked places. Why? Because my pinky toe was hurt. And the scriptures teach us every part is important, even the smallest part. Some of you this morning is the church's pinky toe, and you're important. We need you. And some of you are sitting there like, did the pastor just say I'm a pinky toe? Yes, okay, so it's possible, okay? And that's your part to play. All right? And the parts we regard as less honorable, um, those, those uh, we clothe with the greatest care. So we are careful to protect those parts that shouldn't be seen. And while the more honorable parts do not require special care, so God has put the body together such that, now here's what I want you to get, right? Such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less di dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members will do what? To care for one another. See, every part of the body is important and we're to care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. We're less of what Christ wants us to be if you're not a part. All parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, right, all parts are glad. By the way, one of the ways that I can tell in my heart if I'm really walking with the Lord and caring for the body is if I'm able to celebrate with others, right? Sometimes it's difficult. Like, it's easy to get jealous. But man, it, it's, every part of the body is important. I've used <coughs> this illustration before with this passage of scripture, and, and I'm going to use it again. It'll connect with my football people, right? I've used the story of the left tackle in football. One of the things I love about the, a football game and a football team, of course, all sports, but in football, it just seems so important that ev there's 11 people in the field, and it's just so important that every person does their assignment. The left tackle has become over the last probably 15 or 20 years one of the most important positions in football. In fact, it's so important that an entire movie has been made about the left tackle in football. And so for those of you who don't know, when a quarterback goes back to throw a football, they turn sideways and they go like this. And this side of their body is called what? Anybody? The blind side. So that's the movie, right? And so the person that protects the blind side of a quarterback when he goes back to throw is a left tackle, okay? Now, could you imagine if at any given point in the Super Bowl, the left tackle said, you know what? I'm sick of blocking for this guy. This guy gets all the endorsement deals. He's always got the prettiest girlfriend. You know, just for once, I want to get the football. And so the left tackle on one particular place is I'm going out for a pass. I don't care. Out goes the left tackle, okay? What's going to happen to the quarterback? He's going to get literally killed, okay? He's going to get sawn in two, okay? And so it's important that every part of that team does what they're assigned to do. Not running willy-nilly, doing whatever they want, but doing what they're assigned to do. 
That's why I love this passage in Corinthians because the, it's clear every part of the body has something to do that, on, that, that we come together in unity with our assignment and we honor the Lord. I was thinking about this with just the corporate worship service here this morning. Okay, I tried to make a list. I probably left something else. If I, I left yours out, okay, you're still important, okay? But just the corporate worshipers, I wrote some things down. There was a team this morning that came here early that prepped the auditorium. They went through to make sure there was pens, there was invite cards, there's Bibles. That was an early morning team. There was a parking team that got here this morning. And those, the parking team, they are out there in the cold, in the rain, and when it's snowing, they are out there in all weather, parking your cars, trying to do the best we can to make the best use of this property, to get every car we can on site. There was a children's check-in group. They get here early and they make sure the kids get checked in and there's security. There's children's ministry teams, and they're back there early with your kids right now so that you can sit and listen. And there's, there's our greeters and our ushers, and they make sure that we make the best use of our seats as we're growing as a church. We need to make every use of our seats. They get here, and they try to be as friendly as they can, but scoot you in so we can get you in. There's a coffee team, and they prepare the coffee that helps keep you awake during Pastor Sean's boring sermons. And there's, you know, there's a Connect Center volunteers, and they help people find their way around. People want to get connected to Coastal. And there's sound people, and they got here, they got here on Tuesday night with the worship team to help practice it, and they, they got here early this morning to help us so we could sing that Christ is truly risen from the dead and there's a tech team and, and they do the technology for us and there's a camera team that's been recording our services and they're put online so that, uh, so that literally the ministries of Coastal is going global and there's been people that are praying. We have people praying throughout the service so that God is working in people's hearts. We have a worship team and they went home and they prepared you know, their music and it just doesn't show up and happen. Man, the tightness in the music is a lot of people working really, really hard behind the scenes and then there's announcements. We worked hard on the announcements to make sure we get the announcements in front of you that we need to and then we had to prep the bulletin so that you have the information of what's going on at Coastal Community Church. And then, you, you know, so you can look through all that. And then the bulletin was folded and it was stuffed by some volunteers. And then some of you this morning, you went out of your way to invite some guests. And you've been hoping that that guest would come and hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. And there's some of you in the room that are generous donors that make sure that this, this church can go on financially. And so you give generously to Coastal Co Community Church. There is many, many parts, but much diversity. And that's just one part of one ministry that we do at Coastal Community Church. Doesn't include youth, doesn't include, you know, missions, women's, on and on the list goes, men's ministries, okay? Many parts, much diversity, yet unity within the body. And we need to appreciate every member of the body by delighting and honoring. The second thing about delighting and honoring is to admire, okay? And these are closely connected to appreciate and admire. Okay, we delight in honoring one another. This is what I call the wow factor. Okay, when you're wowed by someone, like, whoa. And so my, in my house, we do this. We do this every so often at dinner time. We go around the table with our children and we just go, wow, here's where I see God in you. Wow. That's great, man. You, all, you parents, you all try that with your kids even tonight. Just go around and say, hey, wow, I'm wowed by you. And your kids' eyes will light up, man, because they love to be admired for how God's wired them up. And that's what we always talk about with our children. Like, here's where we see God. Here's how God's kind of knitted you up, man. And it wows us. 
back on uh, Martin Luther King weekend, uh, there was a uh, group of people that came up here and they were off work and they donated some time on that Monday to plant um, bulbs all over the flower beds out here. And they did the mulch and in a couple weeks in the springtime, it's going to be really beautiful. And I want you to know there's a group of people that did that. And so we came out of the office after a staff meeting, we thanked them. They were eating lunch with us. Listen, we want to thank you, you know, for <clears throat> just making the place look beautiful. And they did it because they want to, they want people to feel welcome here. They want people to know Jesus Christ, you know, it was all that stuff. But they also wanted to serve their local body. And, and uh, we went out and thanked them. And as we were thanking them, one of them said, well, you don't, you don't have to thank us. Uh, we love this. To which I looked at him like, you, 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 you love manual labor? You know, I was shocked that people like to do that, you know. And so, but they did. They love this. And, 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 and we should admire them. And so, you know, I'm going to finish up here in just a second. But I want to encourage you, church, kind of all this tied in. Delighting in one another, delighting and honoring one another. That's how we're going to show love. I want to encourage you. If there's somebody at Coastal that ministers to you, it's kind of a behind the scenes, you know, the, the, the pinky toe. Don't tell them that the pinky toe Coastal might offend them, but you know, whatever. They're a part of the body that doesn't always get admired or honored. Do me a favor. Go up to them this week, maybe even after service. Hey, I want you to know I really appreciate. I really appreciate it. when I come on the weekend and my, you know, I had a rough week and I walk in and I get greeted by your hug and your smile. Man, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate that you got up early, got here early and made pots of coffee that I enjoy. I really appreciate that, you know, when I check my kid in, there's always a, you're, you're always a smile face, whatever. Find somebody, your small group leader. I really appreciate it. I know leading anything is tough and thank you for leading our small group. But find that person God has been using part of the body and admire, just do the wow thing. Like, wow, you know, I see God in you and I appreciate that. And so I want to encourage you. You know, do, let's do that. Let's be that body that's genuine. Says, man, we admire and appreciate what you do in the body of Christ for the glory of Jesus. I want to finish with this story. Lea Coca actually interviewed uh, legendary football coach Vince Lombardi. <clears throat> and Vince Lombardi was one of the winningest coaches ever in the NFL and asked him why his teams were always so successful. And this is what Vince Lombardi said. They said there are a lot of coaches with good football clubs who know the fundamentals and have plenty of discipline, but they still don't win the game. He said, but there's a third ingredient to a successful football team. He says, if you're going to play together as a team, this is Vince Lombardi talking about big, bruising football players, as we said. He said, if you're going to play together as a team, you've got to care for one another. You've got to love each other. Each player has to be thinking about the guy uh, and, and be saying, to, uh, by thinking about the next guy and be saying to himself, if I don't block that man, Paul is going to get his legs broken. I have to do my job well in order that he can do his. He said, Vince Lombardi went on to say, he said, the difference between mediocrity and greatness is the feeling these guys have for each other. And as I read that, I thought, you know, it's no different in a healthy church. And one of the things I've always told my leadership behind the scenes, I said, you know what, I do not care about numbers for numbers' sake. I said, my focus as a pastor has always been on us being a healthy church. And if we're healthy, I believe that we'll grow because people are strangely attracted to a healthy church. I don't have to worry about that. I take care. We focus on what we focus on, right? People are strangely attracted to a place where they see God genuinely worshiped and each other genuinely loved. 
And I think it's up to us, church, to take seriously Jesus' command to love one another. That's what Jesus taught us. And I believe, and I'm going to read you a verse out of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It's not on your notes, okay? But Peter was at the feet of Christ when Jesus taught in John chapter 13 that the world will know that, you're, that, that we're his followers when we love one another. So Jesus, Peter was there. And a couple decades later, in writing to a letter to a church that he helped plant, he said this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He said to his church, most important of all. So he's wrapping up. He says, listen, I want you to get most important of all. Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of what? Anybody know? Sins. Right. He says, you love each other because, listen, we're all going to, to mess up on this journey. We're all going to offend. We're all going to say something we shouldn't. But, man, love each other because love covers a multitude of sins. We have to be quick to love and forgive one another. By the way, there's a whole marriage conference here, right? Those of you who been married any length of time. It's a whole marriage conference out of 1 Peter 4.8. To be quick to love and forgive one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Church, let's fulfill the commands of Christ. Let's let the gospel sink deeply in our hearts. Let's remember that we have been loved much and as an overflow of the love that has been granted to us, let's deeply and genuinely and sincerely love one another. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for this church body. God, I pray that we would be really quick to forgive. God, that we would be mindful of how much we have been loved. And because we have been loved much, the overflow of the gospel is that we are quick to love each other. God, for the times when relationships get strained, I pray that as a church body, we would be quick, Lord, to say, hey, I need to grab a cup of coffee, God. I need to make this thing right. That we would make every effort, God, to show genuine love and genuine affection towards one another. God, I want to thank you for the members of this body, the people that in this church that, that do the thankless tasks behind the scenes, God. They're dragging the bags of trash out at 1230 this afternoon and no one really sees them, God. They're on the floor right now with toddlers, with food and drink all over the place so that we can sit here and learn your word, God. The list goes on. Thank you for every member of the body of Christ. God, help us to be a people that genuinely love you and, in, and genuinely love each other. And in so doing, God, the world would take notice and say, man, there, there's something unique and special going on there. And it would open doors of opportunity for us to say, yes, the unique thing is that we've been deeply loved by God and his son, Jesus Christ. 
And so because of that, how can we do anything less than love each other? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.